I'm not. Oh, yeah, there Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> the first one is get to church more often. The second one is take notes in church. A lot of people don't do that these days, but it's really good taking notes. Um, it's proven to help you remember more. Ruby said she can only do one thing at a time. So, <laughs> so that's what you do is go back. You know, you go to our website now and just hear the audio. So you can go back and pull it up and stop it and write a note, whatever. And then the third one is prepare your heart for church. And um, 2 Timothy 1, 6, it, it quotes this scripture. says, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you. Number four, forgive before you arrive. Number five, be a humble listener in church. Six, apply what you learn throughout the week. And then number seven is sit, sit near the front at the church. <laughs> so that, that was just, you'll, you can read those. I thought there were some really good and neat things to do. And let's pray first and then I'm going to start. Father, we thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your opportunity to come and to share your word and to to get into your word and to study your word. And we thank you for that opportunity. We thank you, Lord, for your anointing and your power on the word tonight. We thank you for your Holy Spirit living within us, Father. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, you think about, if you think of your childhood, do you, is there any time you can remember that you acted in a way that you knew was wrong? Maybe even your adult life. <laughs> but you did it anyway. Um, and, and, you know, then think about what, when you were growing up, what, what caused you to do it? Peer pressure maybe. You know, that's a big thing. We, we, when we were coming up, especially as, through school and especially middle school and teenage years, we kind of like, we got in that peer pressure. And we did things just because everybody else was doing it, or just because we didn't want to get ridiculed or, you know, called names or whatever the deal is. Um, you know, today, there's a lot of cultural influence that's really changed since we were coming up. So it's so much different. So there's a lot of that that's coming in and pressuring in. And, um, and you know, following Jesus, following Christ is, doesn't really come naturally to anybody. In your natural sense. So you meet Jesus, you don't have any clue what that's all about. And so when we accept Christ, sometimes we kind of get pulled back into our old self. That's why we have to stay in the Word. That's why we have to stay um, and let the, the Spirit of God guide us and lead us and um, keep looking to Jesus. And, um, you know, it's, so it's, it, it can be easy to slip back into old behaviors if you don't do that. You can't just, like, you know, you've heard me say before, you can't just accept Christ and then that's it. And you just go and say, well, you know, I'm going to be able to do everything right. Well, it's not going to work that way. It's not going <laughs> to help that much. And so I'm going to read the first four verses in Titus, and right now I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. It says, from Paul, God's willing slave and an apostle of Jesus, the anointed one, to Titus, I am writing to you to further the faith of God's chosen ones and lead them to the full knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, which rests on the hope of eternal life. God, who never lies, has promised this before time began. 
In his own time, he unveiled his word through the preaching of the gospel, which was entrusted to me by the command of God, to, of the command of God our life giver. Titus, you are my true son in the faith we share. May grace and peace descend to you from God the Father and our Savior, the anointed one, Jesus. Now, we're going to watch this little introduction. He's going to give us kind of, like I said, an introduction to, to this study and to, he's got a good little take on, on what is um, the time period and what was going on and, and why Paul wrote it. Now, this, what we're going to do in this is, this is going to be a participation Bible study. So <laughs> I'm going to ask some questions and just get you guys to um, participate. Give me some what you think and what you say. You know, he brought out some very good points, you know, about what Paul's saying. You know, why do we, why do, we do good? You know, if, if it's just grace, we're saved, and then we're just going away. Why do we do good? We do good because we want to do good because of the Christ that's living in us. And it, it speaks to those people around us. It changes, the, you know, those around us. And like he said, we increasingly are living in a world that's getting worse and worse and worse as far as um, knowing Christ, as far as he said, it, he called it irreligious, but it, it's just getting worse and worse. And so we need to um, learn how, why, you know, the, this whole question of why do we need to be, why do we need to do good works? And as he said, you know, good works we don't do good works to get saved. We get saved to do good works. And, um, you know, for years I was brought up in an atmosphere that was basically based on good works. And the more you do, the better you do. The more stuff you do good, the more chances are you're going to get into heaven. Well, that's not it. It's not it. Jesus did the only thing that could get us into heaven. But what we need to do is do what we're called to do while we're on this earth for him. And, and live a good life. Um, just a couple of you guys. Um, what's a couple of things that kind of stood out from you from what this guy's name is Chip. It's Chip Ingram. Um, what's a couple of things that stood out from what he said? You know, what maybe, did you learn something about Titus you didn't know? Anybody got any things that, they, that they, he said that stood out to you? Right. Amen. People are people. People have been doing those things forever. You know, and they lived in a society. We're beginning to see here in America something that some of us have never experienced before, but living in a world that's growing worse and worse, more evil, more evil, more antichrist, more um, immoral. Anything's okay. And even in the church, in some churches, even in the church, that's why it's hard important for us to be the church and to be be what Christ has called us to be, to be the Christian that he's called us to be. And we see more and more, um, even in churches, it's okay. That's okay. It's, you just do it. It's fine. Christ loves you. Just keep on doing it. And and then and they think that's what's going to draw people. But, you know, to, like I, I, Sunday morning I said about truth, people want to hear the truth. And they really want to know the truth, and they want to know that you know the truth. So, um, so you got a good understanding of, of where 
Paul was coming from, he's telling Titus, you know, we got to get these things straightened out. You got to straighten out the leaders. See, the, good, the thing about Paul and about evidently was Titus is that he didn't mind confronting the false teachers. Saying, look, you're wrong. You're wrong. And, you know, if, unfortunately in America, we're so politically correct, if I might say, whatever you want to say, that we, can't, we don't want to say anything. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. You know, we might, they might not think that we love them or whatever. But, you know, you've got to be bold about what the gospel says. You've got to be bold about the word of God. And, you know, as we go through this, we'll learn more and see more about that. And he, he basically told you he broke it down into, into three sections. The first one is doing good in the church. And um, he's, he, Titus, Paul gives Titus his assignment in this. You know, this is what he's good. He said, um, I'm writing you to further the faith of God's chosen ones and lead them to the full knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. So he's saying, Titus, you're in that position that you got to lead these, the rest of these leaders and the rest of the church, you got to lead them in, uh, into the truth. And the truth leads to godliness. The truth leads to the good works that you need to do when the truth is put inside of you. And so he's telling um, He's telling Titus this. He's, he's informing. And he said, this is what you got to do. And um, he, t- he, well, you know, he goes and tells um, Titus that, you know, you're my true son. I mean, you're, you're, you know, you're, I'm your father in the, in the faith. You're my true son. You're one that I, I feel confident with. You're the one I feel like you can do this. And you're one of the ones that's going to bring the rest of them the leaders and those who are under your care. You notice he said there were a lot of house churches. There were little small churches everywhere. And um, that's what I like about this, the local church. Um, There's something about that close-knitness in the church that that means a lot. You know, you can go to a huge church, and I'm not knocking a huge church, but I'm just saying that... um, we got to keep that, no matter how big we grow, we got to keep that, that loving family feeling. And that's what the church is about. And see, when you bring people into that, they, they feel the love. They might not understand what's going on. They might think, well, you know, I, I don't know why they're doing this. But so he's talking about doing good in the church. And I think that starts in the church. If we can't do good to each other, then we're going to have a hard time doing good <laughs> to those who aren't Christians and those who are out in the world and those who are mean and hateful and everything else. Because, you know, a lot of times they're, they're, that's what is going on. And then the second, in chapter 2, the second part, he says, doing good in relationships. Um, let me just read something right here in chapter 2, verse 1. Your duty is to teach them to embrace a lifestyle that is consistent with sound doctrine. So it's, it's my duty to teach you, and it's your duty to teach the ones that are around you. And if, especially if you're in a leader, leadership position, you're into that. He says, lead the male elders into disciplined lives full of dignity and self-control. Urge them to have a solid faith, generous love, and patient endurance. So he's telling them, what are you supposed to be teaching them? What are you teaching them? What are you supposed to? And then he says, likewise with the fem- female elders. Lead them in the lives free from gossip and drunkenness and to be teachers of beautiful things. 
This will enable them to teach the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, and to be self-controlled and pure, taking care of the household and being devoted to their husbands. By doing these things, the word of God will not be discredited. So he's like, in your relationships, your relationships with your family, your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with those in the church, we got to do good in our relationships, and we got to be examples in our relationship and do what the word says to do in that. And so um, he talked about a theology of doing good. In each one of these sections, Titus has an assignment. He has, this is what, this Paul said, this is what you have to do. This is, he did, Paul didn't just write these just to be writing them, you know, or whatever, but he, 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 was, he was instructing Titus in what to do. And so th- there's a um, theology of doing good. In other words, God's grace is our motivation. God's grace motivates us to do those things. You know, when you think about how much, what God's grace has done for you, it should motivate you to do good works for, for, for whoever, for whatever reason. It should motivate you. And, and to know that those works that you're doing, so that's a big deal, motivation. If you're motivated to do good works because you think that's going to further you in the kingdom, then you're going to run over everybody. You know, you're going to do them just because, you know, why are you doing it? Well, because I got to. If I don't, you know, I'm going to get a better spot in heaven or I'm going to do this. But not dependent on that. It's dependent. The doing good part is the grace of God motivates us to do good. Why do you want to do good? Because I love God. And why do you want to do good? Because God enables me to. And the more I know about him and the more I know about how his goodness is, the more I want to put that, spread that goodness and spread that love to other people. And then the third part of it is doing good in the world. So he's moving from the church. He's given his assignment in, in the third chapter, the first part. He gives Paul an assignment. He says, remind people to respect their governmental leaders on every level as law-abiding citizens and to be ready to fulfill their civic duty. And remind them to never tear down anyone with their words or quarrel, but instead be considerate, humble, and courteous to everyone. For it wasn't that long ago that we behaved foolishly in our stubborn disobedience. We were easily led astray as slaves to worldly passions and pleasures. We wasted our lives in doing evil, and with hateful jealousy, we hated others. And and that's supposed to be, he says, not that long ago, because he's talking about before Christ to these people. He's like, you know, it wasn't that long ago we weren't Christians. We didn't know any better. We did these things. And he's saying, don't continue to do these things. And he's, you know, he's giving them instruction. And we're, we're, um, he's saying, you know, we've got to have the right kind of conduct when we're out in the world. You know, it's easy to act good (laughs) here in church. It's easy to do those things and to be loving and to do that. And you're in church and everything's good. But when you get out there in the world and you got people that you know that just hate you because of who you are, you have people that don't, that dislike you because you're a Christian. And they're ready to attack you at any minute. And you know what they're doing? They're looking at you for everything that you do and they're ready to pounce on you if you do one little thing wrong. Anybody ever experienced that? <laughs> it's like, oh man. And, and you feel like, you know, you're under scrutiny, and you are. But see, if we, if we learn to let the, to rest in the grace of God, then those things will come easy. 
and we get in his word and we train and we know what his word says about it and we allow his Holy Spirit to lead and to guide us. He'll lead us and guide us through all those things and all those situations. I think we'll never, until we go on to be with Jesus or he comes back, whichever comes first, we'll never get out of that situation where there won't be people that will be coming against us. They're always going to be attacks. From the, Satan is always going to be coming against you. He's always going to tell you, hey, you're not worthy. You shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. Or he's going to want you to do certain things. He's going to coax you. He's going to do his best to put people in your pathway that's going to want you to, to fail. He wants you to fail. He does not want you to succeed. So what, you know, um, when we listen to that, I want to get somebody, somebody read, um, this is, you know, this is about Paul right now, but somebody read Acts 9, 1 through 11, if you don't, if anybody, you got it and don't. So I want to tell you, bring your Bibles, or if you have iPads, phones, whatever with Scripture on it, bring it with you. Because, you know, this is going to tell you a little bit about who Paul was. Anybody got it or you want me to read it? Amy, you read it loudly. Yeah. So, Paul, we all know what Paul was before he was Paul. <laughs> he was Saul, and Paul persecuted the church. Just, just think about this. What, what, what a change, what a salvation there was in Paul to go from, I mean, Paul had the rights to kill whoever he wanted to as Christians. You know, he had to, he had to, he had to go ahead to do whatever it took to stomp, stomp, stomp out Christianity. But God chose him to use him. So God, on the road to Damascus, you know, something miraculously like that had to happen for Paul to realize who Jesus was. It wouldn't have been just me walking up and saying, hey, you need to get saved. And he, would have, he probably would have killed me. But, um, so, but what he did was God did what he knew had to happen. And, you know, it was a miraculous thing. And at the end of it, Paul realized what salvation was. He realized, you know, could you imagine the thoughts 
or what might have went through Paul's mind when he realized, when he accepted Christ and he realized what he'd been doing. I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of remorse. There was a lot of anguish. There was a lot of, man, look what I've been doing. And then, and then to think for him to go from that to be with the Christians and to start preaching the word and start, I mean, just think about him going to places and everybody knew who he was. You know, they probably didn't want to come hear him because they knew. But see, this was the experience. This was the change. This was the grace of God coming into his life that changed him into doing good, doing good works. Not because he thought he had to, but because, because when Christ came into his life, that motivation was there. It changed who he was. He became, um, he wrote most of the New Testament. <laughs> he became, you know, he went from boom to this. And so, um, you know, Paul uses the term, he talks about how God entrusted him with the gospel. God entrusted him with this, 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 this um, new thing, this new feeling, this new um, wanting to do good works versus what he used to do. And, you know, there was probably temptation for him to back up, I'm sure, from his old friends and his old um, sect that he was with. I'm sure there was a lot of pressure there. What are you doing? What do you think you're doing? And, you know, they, then, then they begin to persecute him like he was persecuting the other Christians. They began, it, it'd been a flip-flop. And, you know, a lot of us are ready to run when we get persecution. But Paul faced it right straight on, and he didn't back off from it. And, um, you know, I'm sure that in Titus, you know, I don't, I don't the, this is one of the few times, I guess, that Titus is really even mentioned. I mean, this is, we don't know a lot other about Titus than this, but, you know, um, we know some things about Paul, about Titus, and he had a, evidently a close relationship with Paul because Paul said, you're my, you're my true son. You're my dear son. You are my son. So we definitely knew he had a, a good relationship with Paul. And um, he, he is described in, in some of the, um, excuse me, translation as Paul's partner and fellow worker. So he was not just somebody that Paul knew or some guy that Paul said, well, I'll send him a message. No, he really knew him, and, and, and he um, traveled with Paul through miss, missionary journeys. We know that from looking in the other scriptures. Um, and we also know, according to Galatians, that Titus was a, a Gentile. He was a Greek. He was not a Jew. He was converted Greek. He was converted non-Jew. He was... He was um, like me and you. He was not, he was not a Jew. So he, he, he came from, um, it shows, just goes to show you how much God loves and who he chooses. God doesn't care what you were. He just wants you for what you are or what he can make you. And um, like I said, again, it says that he was his true son, Paul, uh, Titus was Paul's true son. You know, um, he was evidently a young pastor. He was a, a, evidently a pretty good leader because he was evidently over the whole, uh, the, the whole 
Isle of Crete, the whole Christian movement there, the whole the whole church there, if you might, if you want to say there, and um, and it, you know, it, as he showed you, this island of Crete was not a great big place, fairly small, and um, but there was a lot of um, immorality. There was a lot of evil. Um, there was a lot of one of the ways he described it here was an absence of good gospel-oriented works. In other words, Crete was not so different from the world that we experience every day. Now, we have people, we have good things that are done, but they're not necessarily God things. And we have to be careful as Christians, and we have to make sure that we are doing God things and not just good things. We can do a lot of good things, but we need to know um, what we're doing and then it's a God thing, and it's what God has called you to do. Just like with us going to Nicaragua, we have to know that that's where God's called us to. And we've had, I have had opportunities to go elsewhere. People say, why don't you go here? Why don't you go here? Why don't you go there? And it's be cool to go to some of those places, but this, that's where God has called us to go. And so that's why we continue to go, and we, we, we've made good rapport, and we have seen God um, do some some good things. We, um, so we have to know that we're living in a world that we, ha we have to be the light. So I kind of want to bring that out to you, that we have to be the light. We have to one, be the ones that do good works in the name of Christ to, to change the world around us. And if you can just do that, you'll start changing the world around you. And, and you know, you can preach the gospel without saying a lot. Sometimes that preaches more to them than saying a lot. Because <laughs> you, whatever you say, you got to live up to, right? And I've known people in the past, they say a lot, but they didn't live up to it. So, you know, what's some, just something for you to think about. Think about what similarities, what he talked about was going on in Crete and what's going on in our world today, what's going on around us. You know, we've watched so many things happen, and, you know, I remember not so long ago that the church was respected. Now not so much. The church, people listened to what the church said. People listened to what pastors and what leaders in the church would say. They were invited to come and to pray with leaders in the country. And that's unfortunately changing. That's why we need to get out there and do what we're supposed to do and pray and get in the word and be, and do, be doers of the word. We need to be doing good things. We need to be teaching those that, that we, that, you know, that we, you know, we, we're good at saying, come to church with me and you know, it's good, it's all that. But we got to be teaching them what God's Word says. we got to teach them to be the body of Christ. And that's what it takes from the Word. Well, three things that Paul says in this first verse was he talked about faith, knowledge, and godliness. Three main things, faith, knowledge, and godliness. And see, I think that's important that he listed them in, in that um, first verse. He said, 
of God's chosen ones, chosen ones and lead them to the full knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, which rests on the hope of eternal life. So bring, lead them to the full knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. First of all, we have to understand what faith is and we'll understand what our faith in God is. And that's the first step. Faith is the first step to salvation, right? We've got to have faith to believe in Christ. So that's our first step to salvation. And then it says that when we further the faith, in other words, when we're speaking the faith to other ones, it leads you to full knowledge. It leads you to the knowledge of God. Without the knowledge of what God says and what his word says, you cannot um, do what he's called you to do. You've got to have knowledge. And then it said that leads to godliness. In other words, faith, knowledge, then the good works. We get those backwards. We want to have good works and knowledge, but we got to have faith and we got to have the knowledge and then that brings on the good works and we can do good works and there's nothing wrong with good works, right? It's just that you can't depend on good works to, to be your salvation or you'll just be doing, trying to do good works and you'll be doing things that you don't need to be doing just because they're good things. And there's nothing wrong with good things, but we need to be doing, like I said, God things. We need to be things, doing things that we're called to do. And, and, and believe you me, I've been there too in a place where I was just doing something that I really wasn't called to do, and it didn't work too good. That's why I say if we, if we say, well, we're, we're going to quit going to Nicaragua, we're going to start going to Mexico, and I could go to Mexico tomorrow. You can ask Darren the way there's people that ask me all the time. But that's not what God wants to do, and it wouldn't be good. We might, be, we might not be as protected as we are in Nicaragua. When we go to Nicaragua and there's war going on and God protects us and keeps us safe. But when you get out from under God's, God's what he's telling you to do, then all kinds of things happen. So we don't need to just do good things, but we need to realize that's why we need to be led by the Spirit. And we need to realize this is what God said to do. And if God ever changes that, we'll do what he, else he says. We'll go to the next step or the next level. You know, I had plenty of opportunity. I've been asked plenty of times to, why don't you come to Germany? And I know some people in Germany. I know somebody in Germany. And it's much easier to go there than it is to go to Nicaragua. Believe you me, it's just a different place. It's, it can be really cold there. But, so, but we didn't do it. Because that wasn't what God wanted us to do. Yeah, and I tested the waters. I went and tested the waters. and It wasn't something that we were supposed to do. And that, you know what? The, they understand. And they understood. And, and, and that, that was it. So we've got to um, realize that. And, um, you know, it's kind of like threes in here. Paul mentions three things. Three problems that the church faced in Crete, and that was, um, it says, those within the church are not living in ways that reflect their beliefs. And I'm, I'm going to go through these quickly because we're coming to where we want to try to cut it off at 8 o'clock and get home, and then next week we'll be, we'll be going into all this later. But it says, the second thing is the gospel is being discredited because of their behavior. Because they, some of them were to the point of it didn't matter if good works or not, well, it's grace that saved me, so I can do whatever I want to because I've been saved by grace. And how many people live that way? 
And then they were contending with false teaching. Evidently, there were a lot of false teachers that had gotten into the little churches, little home churches, they called them, had gotten into that. And Paul said, okay, Titus, it's time for you to get over there and you got to get them face to face and get them out of there. He even said, get them out. Just, don't just tell them they're wrong. Get them out. And that may be a problem why we have some of the problems we have today because we didn't get them out. So if we kind of look at this whole book, you know, the first part is good works begin with good leadership. And we have to trust our leadership. So he tells, Paul, he tells Titus, you have to choose leaders wisely and get rid of the ones who model bad leadership. You know, everybody's not called to lead, be a leader. Lots of people want to be leaders. And I've had, we've had them here that wanted to be leaders, but they weren't leaders. And, you know, you don't have to really... They find out quickly that they're not going to be a leader, so they go somewhere else to try to be a leader a lot of times. So we have to see that. Um, and he, he's focusing in, in, in the second chapter of Titus. Paul focuses a lot on teaching people what good works look like in the context of the relationships and, and, and all that and, and, and um, how the immoral living discredits the gospel. Then he closes by explaining how good works play out when facing injustice from others and underscores the truth that we are saved by grace and not by our obedience. Did you know that? You need to be obedient, but we're not saved by that. And if we, we can't just to, to, to depend on that. So something I want you to think about is what, you know, What's some of the th primary problems you, you would say faces the church today? You don't have to answer it out, but just think about it. What are some of the major problems that the church is facing today, right now? And what, if Paul were writing us a letter here, what would he tell us? What would he say? You know, and, and, and do you, do you, what, are, what are maybe some of, these are just things I want you to think about. You might want to write those questions down and think about it this week. But um, what are some areas in your life that you struggle and they cause you to behave a way that doesn't match your beliefs? And vice versa. What are some areas in your life you struggle with? What, or not struggle with, but what's some things in your life that helps you to behave in the way that you should? But what are some struggles in your life that, that you struggle with and they cause you to behave in a way that doesn't match what you believe? And like I said, it's easy to say you believe something, but then you got to learn to live it. And you know, that could cause you to misunderstand what the gospel is all about. So it's not, the Bible doesn't teach us that our behavior earns God's grace. It's the opposite. When we receive his grace through faith, it transforms us and it motivates us 
to behave in ways that honor God. In other words, that faith, that grace that God gives us motivates us to do good works. And good works are his works. So in the next few weeks, we need to think about what, you know, what I'd like to do is focus on like, like okay, God, what am I going to do with this? Am I going to allow this to change me? Uh, how am I going to let it shape my heart? How am I going to let it change me over the next year? How, how am I going to look on the, when this is all said and done, is it going to help me? Am I going to purpose in my life to listen to the things that are being said? Am I going to allow the Spirit of God to work in my heart? Am I going to be better at doing works, good works because of what Christ has done in my life and not the other way around? And am I going to be a light to those around me? You know, good works are a necessary part of a Christian life. Not to get us saved, but to, to display it to the world, to present to the world who we really are. You know, people pick up on things, and you will have people that will come in your life, and they were like, how did you do that? How, how did you, you know, maybe you lose someone in your life, and they say, how did you handle that? You seem to have peace. See, that's an opportunity to say, you know why I have peace? Because of Jesus who lives in me, who changed my life. And we need to have that opportunity. And people need to see that we're, the, the peace of God is, is in us and living through us. And we need to see that. We need to let other people see that. That they see in us, they see something. And they may only see that you have a good temperament. You don't get mad at everybody. You don't do this. You don't do that. And it's not about what you don't do, but it's when other people look at you, what you do and don't do. You don't overreact to things. You know, there's a lot of things vying for our attention. There are a lot of things that are wanting priority in our lives, right? And we have to choose what that is. There's the culture, there are relationships, there's career and money and all those things that um, they're vying for our attention. They're vying for this heart that's inside of us. And we have to um, realize that. And we have to find out those blind spots and those places in our lives that, that, that we need to step up. We need to become what God has called us to be. And I just pray that through this, and, that, you know, this is, like I said, this is pretty much inter introducing to what we're going to be talking about. I, I, I encourage you to go home, and like he said, you know, there's only um, three chapters in Titus. So go home, read it every day. Just read through it. Because I found out about reading God's Word that you learn something new all the time. There's so much revelation in it that one reading don't. Get it all. You just keep reading it and reading it. You know, you hear people preach on the same scripture and there's so much more revelation. It just pops out, pops out. I also encourage you, as I said, to um, read these um, seven ways to awaken your faith through the power of the local church.